0: The text that you are about to hear is by Charles Olavoie. To find out more about this Canadian author and his previous books, visit www.charlesolavoie.com. This episode is from Goodbye Philippines, a collection of short stories. The book are a fictional construction of exchanges between the author and people living in the Philippines, overseas workers and Filipino expats. Goodbye Philippines, a podcast collection of short stories by Charles O. Levois. Through Facebook conversations, George, the narrator of Goodbye Philippines, gets glimpses of Filipino lives in the Philippines and among expatriates and overseas foreign workers. As he discovers the sufferings of the younger generation, he is often reminded of the disparity between the deprivations and emotional angst of his youth. On one trip to the Philippines, he is hospitalized in delirium and dependent on local care until he is well enough to fly home. On his return, he shuts everyone out, including Lando, the youth in the Philippines whose college education he paid for. After a long silence, his protégé reaches out and the two briefly reunite online. The bond between them is poignant and Lando's longing for a father substitute is palpable. Will George choose to pull away? Read by Warren Carey, and music by Angelico Dayo, executive producer, Charles O. Lavoie. Chapter 16. George's Fear. This is part two of Goodbye, Philippines. It has been abridged for podcast purpose. Six months before his most recent trip to the Philippines, George had undergone a series of eye tests, he was prescribed drops to prevent further damage to his optic nerve. The high pressure was not always a sign of glaucoma, the ophthalmologist said, but George was at risk because of his family history of blindness. As a preventive measure, he had to put drops in his eyes every 12 hours, even if he felt well. But the specialist warned him, if you have a violent headache in the middle of the night, go to a hospital emergency. Don't." Wait until the morning. What George feared the most ended up happening while he was in the Philippines. He arrived mid January with the intention of attending the popular Denegyan festival of Iloilo, which he had missed the year before due to pneumonia. He had arranged to stay with his protege Lando's grandparents instead of his usual accommodation at his Victoria friend Apin's ancestral home. Taken by surprise at first, Lando worried that the improvised bed would not be comfortable enough for George. "'What do you mean, Lando?' "'It is a bamboo bed,' Lando replied. "'Grandfather made it.' "'It'll be fine. Tell your grandparents not to worry.' Situated in one of the many barangays of Igbaras, the grandparents' house was separated from the National Highway by a tortuous and bush-lined road along the Tangyan River which regularly flooded its banks during the rainy season. George soon fell into a routine. After breakfast he would roam around the town, go to the market and chat with anyone who was not too shy to talk to a stranger. He would run into old friends and acquaintances who would invite him for a full meal or a snack called merienda, otherwise he ate at the canteen across the market. The place was always packed with students from the National High School and other customers. Later, with his pocket-sized camera, he would explore the surrounding fields with cows and goats staring curiously at him and children who would hide at the sight of the foreigner who was gazing, in the middle of a hot sunny day, at the impressive mountain Napulak. George would return to the house for a nap, then have a light dinner with Lando, having returned from Iloilo and his grandparents. One night George woke up with an impossible headache. Feeling dizzy and refusing to move, he whispered, Lando. The youth slept on a mat a foot away from him. He could hear his breathing. Lando, he repeated. Yes, Dad? Lando asked. I need to go to Ilo Hospital. Now? Now, George responded louder. I will call my mother's cousin. At an extraordinary speed, using just his thumbs, George was always amazed at his dexterity, Lando texted a relative, who worked at Igbara's emergency. They are coming, Dad, Lando said. He then mentioned that they would go to Gimbaal, the location of the closest hospital, adding that Iloilo would be too far away. You need your Canadian passport, Dad, "'George pulled the fabric pouch from under the cushion that served as his pillow. "'You're right. I'd forgotten about it,' he said as he fumbled with the pouch. "'Let me do it, Dad,' Lando said. "'He delicately placed the string around George's neck "'and rested the fat travel pouch on his sponsor's chest. "'Less than half an hour later, "'a motorized vehicle could be heard coming from the National Highway. "'The municipal ambulance drove along the private road, "'passing by the homes of Mam, Sheila, Nonoy, and Tida Elit, people who were related to Eskermosis in one way or another. George knew them all. When he arrived, he had made a point of introducing himself to everyone on both sides of the dirt road. Even before the ambulance arrived, the news about the Canadian man getting sick had already spread. The whole household waited outside with George, who sat on a small bench. As she had been doing inside, Lando's Lola kept massaging his back and around his neck. While the driver waited at the wheel, his companion got out of the vehicle. Lando said to George, Mom's cousin. Can you walk, sir? Lando's cousin asked. George nodded. The cousin put an arm around George's waist and directed him to the back of the ambulance, with Lando trailing him. His grandmother remained on the doorstep of her house, with his mother at her side. At that moment, George had the urge to shout, "'Leave me alone! I don't want to go!' He felt like a tagged animal being dragged towards a dreadful unknown, an unknown on which he had turned his back for months, hoping to make it disappear through magical thinking. He would use expressions like, "'Touch wood!' or try to convince himself that he might die in a car crash— before anything went wrong with his vision. It was cold and windy, as was common at night in the Philippines at that time of year. A neighbor sitting on his tricycle watched and missed nothing of what came next. The foreigner was helped into the ambulance, through the rear doors, and laid on a stretcher. The attendants covered him with a sheet and strapped him down for safety. As the back doors were shutting, the tricycle driver shouted, "'God bless Cano!' His pious wishes didn't reach George's ears. The driver started the vehicle and carefully navigated the narrow and rocky road that connected the dozen houses with the rest of the town. As soon as the ambulance reached the national highway, reality, the other passengers talking in Hiligaynon and the smell of ginger impregnated in people's bodies burst out. Jeepneys drivers, constant honking to announce their passing to the locals on the side of the road, waiting to be picked up the barking of dogs, one setting off the other in houses along both sides of the highway, and the cock-a-doodle of the hundreds of roosters on private properties and in the fields surrounding the town, oblivious to the fact it was not sunrise, or didn't care. First time in the Philippines, sir?' one of the attendants asked him. "'A pan, please,' George said, his head swimming. A second later he shouted, "'I'm going to throw up!' Someone helped him raise his upper body and supported him from behind, while another person held a plastic bag to his face. Nothing came out of George's mouth. A few seconds later, with his head back on the pillow, he asked, What's your name? Ryan, sir. You're a nurse? He is the emergency health response, sir, Lando responded. He was following George's instructions not to call him Dad in public. The next minute the emergency attendant asked, "'Do you have allergies?' George shook his head. He was now sweating with fear which had nothing to do with the way the ambulance was zigzagging between lanes, the constant honking of the driver, and the darn dogs that never stopped. From time immemorial, when life transformed itself into an enigma too painful to tolerate let alone accept, human beings had wished to sneak out of it and be reborn— disguised in someone else's clothes. Shortly after the ambulance passed the colorful welcome arch of the town of Gimbal, it stopped in front of the representative Pedro Trono Memorial District Hospital. From the moment his sponsor was placed on a stretcher, Lando kept looking at him anxiously in anticipation of a word or a gesture that would tell what was going through the mind of the man he called Dad. He got nothing. "'We've arrived,' Lando announced, with a sigh of relief. Because he had been sitting in the back, he jumped out when the attendants opened the rear doors of the vehicle. A security guard, dressed in a white uniform and wearing a firearm, had been standing on the steps of the emergency entrance. He walked over to the municipal workers and Lando, telling them to wait. Two maintenance employees in dark blue uniforms, apparently off-duty and playing with their cell phones raised their heads, and watched the scene. A second later two men showed up from inside the hospital. A middle-aged woman with a stethoscope around her neck was following them. As soon as she got inside the ambulance, she took the patient's arm to check his pulse. "'I am the emergency nurse,' she said. "'Are you on vacation here, sir?' "'What's your name?' George asked. He was staring at the tag on the nurse's uniform, but was unable to read what it said. Holding the tag close to the patient's head, the nurse read what was on it, both her name and title. Dropping the tag, she asked, "'Can I see your ID?' "'Can I do it?' Lando asked. He carefully unzipped George's travel pouch and extracted the Canadian passport, which he handed to the nurse. "'Do I pay now?' George inquired. "'He is worried about that,' Lando remarked, for the benefit of the nurse.' "'We will look after you, Sir George,' the nurse said, as she examined the passport. Then she added warmly, "'Now, try to relax.'" After the stretcher was pulled out of the ambulance, the hospital staff wheeled it into the emergency room. Lando followed. While he was walking, he noticed an old and frail woman in a bed with an oxygen mask over her face. She could have been his own grandmother. She was surrounded by her relatives. One of them— Distracted by the arriving procession, stared at Lando, who ducked his head in embarrassment. While the two men were transferring George from the stretcher to the examination room table, the nurse drew the green curtain around the area. The doctor will see you soon, Sir George, she said. She then returned George's passport to Lando, who unzipped the travel pouch and paused, passport still in his hands. You can't stay here, the nurse said in an authoritarian voice you have to go, son.' "'Where, ma'am?' Lando asked. "'To the registration office, in the administration wing,' the nurse snapped. Lando called to George. "'I'm coming back,' George muttered. "'Okay,' as if he didn't recognize the speaker, or didn't care if he stayed or not. As Lando left the emergency room, his attention was caught by the flashing images of the silent TV screen on the wall. It was a Korean band.' its members dressed in white from head to toe and singing and dancing. He updated his mother as he walked. Almost instantly a message came in from Ovear, his mother was still at his grandparents' house. When are you coming back? she asked. I don't know, Lando typed. He was crying. At age twenty-four, he was doing what he used to do every time his mother's husband was at home on vacation from abroad. He had to leave his mother and his step-siblings, and transfer to his grandparents' house for the night. He would hide and cry. He could see the emergency security guard just a few meters away, conversing with an off-duty worker. It was a woman this time. Leaning against the concrete wall of the administration wing, he hastily wiped the tears on his cheeks. Lando opened his sponsor's travel pouch. There were banknotes in U.S. dollars and Philippine pesos along with plastic cards held together by an elastic band. After conscientiously zipping the small bag closed, he walked into the administration wing. What will happen? Lando texted to his mother. Once inside, he noticed a large framed photograph of Arthur R. Defensor, Jr., Governor, Province of Iloilo, hanging on the wall facing the entrance of the wing. Below that, hung the patient's today Census billboard. Being the conscientious administrative assistant that he was, fond of stats and tables, Lando took the time to examine the hospital's billboard. R.R. Surgical, 1. Isolation, 2. Infectious, 2. Pediatrics, 69. Nursery, 16. Headings were printed in black, while figures were handwritten with a blue marker. Lando walked toward the rows of white plastic chairs and sat. He watched a male clerk in a gray shirt behind a glass. He was serving a girl who was talking on behalf of her frail Nanai in a wheelchair, aged 76 years, according to the information she was providing to the clerk. He suddenly felt a vibration in his pocket. It was his mother responding, God's will. Once the registration process was over, Lando went back to emergency. Sir George, he was told, was being seen by the doctor on duty that night. He decided to do what the other visitors were doing, sit on a bench and wait. He placed his backpack with his sponsor's travel pouch inside, under his head. He fell asleep instantly. Someone woke him by giving him several vigorous shakes. Go home. Lando recognized the security guard. Can I see Sir George? he asked. Go home, the man repeated. How is he doing? The security guard helped Lando stand up. Come back tomorrow. With the sun rising, the streets were becoming crowded with customers lining up in front of vendors, students walking in groups and teasing each other, and office workers. Lando got into a jeepney and went to his pension. After taking a bath, he had a cup of coffee with two slices of bread. Later that day, he returned to the Gimbal Hospital, where he was directed to an air-conditioned private room. Sitting up in bed, his sponsor was eating rice with scrambled eggs. "'He's not blind,' Lando thought, sighing with relief. "'You have your own bathroom, Dad.' "'With money you can get anything in this country,' his sponsor responded. "'That's true, Dad. Stop calling me Dad. We're not on Facebook,' his sponsor snapped. Can I have the blanket, please? He pointed at the blanket, draped over the wooden chair by the wall. It's so cold here. Sorry, Lando remarked, omitting the problematic word, Dad, as he handed the blanket to his sponsor, who nervously placed it around his shoulders. Do you have my passport? Lando hastily grabbed the travel pouch from his backpack and went to hand it to George. "I I don't want it. Keep it, George raised his head. You're going to need it he said, looking directly at Lando for the first time since he had entered the room. Lando waited. His sponsor seemed different somehow. I'm going back to Canada, George announced loudly. Shocked, Lando asked. Can you travel? They gave me some medication to stabilize me. Lando was surprised. No surgery? I refused to have surgery, George said. For the next several days, Lando was his sponsor's personal secretary. He went to an agency to book a return flight from Iloilo to Manila and then Manila to Vancouver, using his sponsor's credit card and passport. When his sponsor was discharged, he paid the hospital fees, the extra meals, and the prescribed medication. The day of his sponsor's departure for Canada, Lando accompanied him to Iloilo Airport Few words were exchanged as they waited for George's flight to be called. When passengers were invited to proceed to the gate, the two men hugged. I wish I could go with you, Lando said, feeling emotional. Thanks for taking care of this, his sponsor responded, pointing at the travel pouch that was now in the hands of its owner. Welcome, sir, Lando replied. Sorry for the inconvenience I caused. With those words, his sponsor left to join the line of passengers heading through security, he did not turn back to wave. Something odd was happening that Lando couldn't name. But it broke his heart. Once outside the airport, refusing offers for a cab, Lando walked towards the jeepney station to wait for a ride. He rushed to leap into one that was already in motion, heading for Leganes Municipality. As soon as he sat down, he texted a message to his mother. "'I am on my way to work,' Then, a very long silence followed. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Goodbye Philippines. Here are some questions from the author, and here are some thoughts to ponder. 1. Have you or a family member been taken to hospital because of an emergency? Were you taken in an ambulance? Who accompanied you? How long, days or weeks? Were you hospitalized? What's your most vivid memory about the experience? Two, what do you think of George's reaction to his ailment and hospitalization? How would you characterize his attitude toward Lando? Can you explain it? Three, what should Lando do instead of crying? Is he playing the victim when something bad happens to you, how do you respond? We'd love to hear from you. To share your thoughts and your answers to the questions, email charlesolavoie at gmail.com. Want to receive updates about future episodes of Goodbye Philippines? Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Also, Feel free to share the link to this episode with your friends and on social media. If you love Goodbye Philippines, check out www.charlesolavoie.com for info on Charles's other published works. A link is provided in the description. Until next time.